Hi, I'm James Carter, Programming and Operations Manager for the Ann Arbor Summer Festival. In this episode, we sit down with Swarup Bojani, owner of the restaurant Hot K Fusion and former University of Michigan cancer researcher. Swarup is a PhD graduate from the Indian Institute of Science and was a Max Delabrook Fellow. He continued his postdoctoral work at the University of Michigan, where he was also appointed as a faculty in the Department of Radiation Oncology. Since the start of the COVID-19 stay-at-home order, Hukkei Fusion has provided free food to shelter homes, safe houses, and displaced workers. Swarup sat down with his friend and colleague, Adam Hess, a registered nurse at St. Joseph Hospital, to talk about what we eat, why we eat, and how we can eat better. And now, Swarup Bojani with Adam Hess. Swarup. Hi. <laughs> so glad to finally sit down with you. It's uh-huh. funny, uh, we've been interacting now for the last few months, but this is only the first of a handful of times I've seen you without a mask on. Yeah. So I mentioned that we had interacted here in the last few months. Uh, I first wanted to take the time to thank you for all the opportunity that we've had to work closely uh, on the fundraiser that we had to uh, supply nurses with healthy lunches. Uh, You really stepped forward when we came to ask you to see what we could do. And between the two of us working together, we provided well over 200 meals to nurses during this COVID time. So first and foremost, thank you so much for that. You know, uh, when it all kind of started, Um, one of the things about providing those healthy lunches and by myself being a nurse too, was seeing some of the things that were being donated. Uh, A lot of times you'd see pizza, cookies, candies, pastries, things like that, that really weren't going to provide these nurses on their feet for 13 hours with the proper fuel and energy. Uh, And so it got kind of alarming to see that. And then the other thing that was really alarming to me was seeing that People were donating this and maybe believing that these were the foods that everybody should be eating on a consistent basis. Uh, So coming to you, you were able to present me with the idea of let's let's give them something much better. Right. So knowing that there was better foods, maybe we need to scale things back a little bit and understand what it is or why it is that we eat. And that's where I can definitely take the cue from you. Yeah, I, before I answer your question, I want to tell you my own experience when I was at the University of Michigan. I was mm-hmm. at this uh, meeting, a PO1 project meeting for head and neck cancer. And uh, there were a bunch of uh, uh, professors who had come to evaluate the project from NIH. And during the lunch break, he said, okay, here we are for the lunch break and here we have we talked about cancer all this while, and here we have some cancer-causing foods for you guys. And he pointed to cookies and so on. <laughs> and that was interesting. That was like very funny uh, introduction to the food that is being served during these conferences. Now, to the question we, you asked, why do we eat? It's actually a very interesting question, and we'll look at it from different perspectives. One of them is a social aspect of eating. So. You would see, right? Like you invited me to your place and you said, come over for lunch or dinner. So it's always food. The social aspect is always food. For example, like if you were to take somebody inviting you for a wedding and the food has to be there, 
or a birthday celebration or anniversary celebration. And if food is not there, you would remember it. Food is social. Food is very normal to be like a part of a celebration. Whenever there is a celebration, food has to be there and so on. So one aspect of our eating is a social aspect of eating. Now let's go to the like more uh, biochemical aspect or a physiological aspect of eating. And there are two folds. The one is the need. And the need is that our body needs the nutrition for its survival, the energy for its survival. So for example, uh, imagine as a baby, if you would not have eaten, you would not have grown. So it's extremely important for the growth of our bodies from time we are born until we become adult and uh, throughout our adulthood too. Food plays a very important role in providing us what we need for our growth and sustenance. But food as such has a psychological aspect to it. So thing is, like if you are not happy and contented after eating, so there is no release of serotonins and dopamines in the brain, that feeling of being rewarded is not there with food. Like imagine if you would go on a salad diet for a few weeks, then you would binge on food because now you're looking for that rush of serotonin and dopamine, that happiness that food provides. So the two critical aspects in terms of physiology, one is the psychological aspect that you need to be content after eating food, and that's the desired aspect. And one is the need aspect that your body needs the nutrition for various biological reactions to happen properly, the immune system to work properly, the respiratory system to work properly. So all the nutrients that are needed along with the energy that the food gives for your growth and sustenance. Now, to take this a little bit further, if we eat for energy, where does energy in our food come from? And if you track it back, you would see that predominantly, majority of our energy is actually coming from sun. But we cannot harvest sun's energy directly. So we need an intermediate in between and plants are the intermediates which by the process of photosynthesis are able to harvest sun's energy and convert them into biochemicals. So what we do is the opposite of what plants do. So plants do photosynthesis and we do what the op opposite which is called as the respiration. So respiration is not the same as breathing. Breathing is different. Breathing is what we breathe in air, our lungs exchange oxygen to carbon dioxide and so on. But respiration is something that happens at an individual cell level. Trillions of cells in our body and every cell needs to respire, create energy from the foods that we eat. For example, in terms of carbohydrates, complex starches are broken down to monosaccharides, disaccharides, and these mono and disaccharides are absorbed and they are circulated in the blood, through the blood to every cell in the body. And through our uh, respiratory system, we supply oxygen to every cell. So now the balance between photosynthesis and respiration is this, that we use carbon dioxide from air, water from earth and sunlight, and push them, the push the energy of the sun into those molecules. So the carbon-carbon bond are a very energy-dense molecule. When this is created, we eat these, and we break the carbon-carbon bond, release the energy, and give the starting material of the photosynthesis to plants back, that is the carbon dioxide and water, 
which are the byproducts of respiration and the byproducts of photosynthesis was oxygen and glucose. So basically, when you combine these two processes together, there is a whole balance that is restored that we start with carbon dioxide, water, and sun's energy converted into energy-dense carbohydrates and oxygen. When animals use this oxygen and carbohydrates and convert it back to carbon dioxide and water, and then there is a whole cycle, and this is how the balance is restored. So uh, why we eat then can be described as the social aspect and then also the energy that we're getting. So we should be awfully mindful of what it is we're choosing to put into our bodies, as well as maybe being very mindful of who we're having dinner with, since it's so important. So we should have good company and good ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that I'm kind of extracting from what you're saying is that it sounds like, in a way, we are almost powered by the sun. Would you say that we're oh, yeah. pretty much solar-powered yeah, creatures? Definitely. Without sun's energy, we would not exist. Maybe. Without sun's energy, there would have been a different star, different that would have provided us this energy. But since sun is the one that is providing us energy, we are solar powered, directly or indirectly. Without mm -hmm. sun's energy, we would not exist. Mm -hmm. Now, this harvesting of sun's energy via plants to us, it comes at a cost. And let's look at that cost. And it's very important to understand that before we talk about the what are the consequences of just doing what we are doing and how in the United States currently there is a dramatic increase in obesity. So to understand that obesity part, let's take a step back and finish your question with respect to why do we eat? And having answered that, what is the consequences of eating uh, food this way? That What I mean by that is the flow of energy from sun to us via the plants, it comes at a cost. And what is the cost? And let's look at that. So as I said, right, during photosynthesis, there is lots of breaking bonds and joining bonds. And breaking and joining bonds, broken bonds are highly unstable. And unstable bonds tend to react with anything that is present in their vicinity. I, uh, vicinity, and I say this just as human beings. So, if we break a bond, we become highly unstable for a while until we find another person to bond with, and then we stabilize ourselves. And these actually, this attribute to us actually comes from our molecules. And same thing, when molecules are broken down, they are extremely unstable. They like to bond with anything that is present in their vicinity to stabilize. Predominantly, most living beings are anywhere between sixty to 80%, 90% water, like some leaves and strawberries are close to around 90% water. Human beings are around 70% water, depending again on which organ that we are looking at. So then we react with water, which is predominant amount, that is present in the largest amount in our bodies. And we generate what are called as reactive oxygen species. So plants know this. They have evolved. They have been on earth for millions of years and they're much, much, much smarter than any one of us. And they know how to tackle this. And some of the studies, like uh, recently I came across this, that the Italian uh, uh, thyme has close to around 32 known antioxidants and hundreds of others which we don't know yet. And the reason I say hundreds of others which we don't know yet is uh, there was this scientist at the uh, University of Washington 
And he was looking at our hypothesis, like you probably would have heard as a kid that your mom saying, eat your apple, it is vitamin C. And so he wanted to really understand this as is apple only vitamin C or does apple have more nutrients other than vitamin C, which could add, act as an antioxidant. Mm-hmm. But there was this uh, laboratory test that he was doing with respect to producing free radicals and seeing how these free radicals are quenched by vitamin C or other antioxidant, any antioxidant. So he took purified vitamin C, that's an X gram of purified vitamin C, and looked at it, how much of it, how much antioxidant potential this X micrograms of milligrams of vitamin C, uh, how much potential, sorry, how much uh, free radical quenching capability this X amount of vitamin C had. And then he took an apple extract. And in this apple extract, balance the amount of vitamin C in that apple extract. So he took that much amount of apple extract to really come to the level of vitamin C that he had tested in laboratory, pure vitamin C. And then he found that the fold uh, inhibition of free radicals or quenching of free radicals was way, way, way high when compared to that. So the amount of vitamin C in both, the pure form in uh, apple extract were same. But here the potential of inhibition of free radicals was certain level and which was dramatically higher, at least a hundred fold higher. So what led him to believe that it is not just vitamin C in apple, but there are hundreds, maybe many more molecules that have antioxidant potential and that's what are quenching the free radicals in the assay. So just to come to your point that thyme has multiple different antioxidants and there will be hundreds of others that we still don't know which science has not discovered yet. So the apple is kind of taking like the total composite of what you should be eating. So when you look at that and you think about food as your medicine, so taking a synthetic vitamin C pill every day, is not going to give you anywhere near the benefit of, of, of eating an apple. Definitely. Of eating this apple. Definitely. And I, I think that's something to understand because we are a, a society that we pop supplements and vitamins and everything else trying to get these things that we need, but those synthetic forms can actually be really detrimental to us instead of just eating the right things. Yeah. So if you look at right the synthetic forms, vitamin E, for example. So vitamin E is... Anything that is synthetically made is, comes in two forms. And uh, these are especially uh, their uh, uh, structural components are like two hands. Now, these are not same, but they are mirror images of each other. Mm-hmm. right? And these are called as optical uh, isomers of uh, uh, natural compounds or many other uh, organic compounds. So vitamin E, for example, is actually synthesized in both what is called as a dextro, which is the right hand, or levo, which is a left hand. And these are the levo and dextro form of vitamin E. Our body uses only the levo form. Or let me see. Our body uses, I think, the levo dextro form. But synthetically, you get both the D and the L form. Now, D and the L form, since the other form would compete with its biological activity. And if you go to PubMed.gov and look at vitamin E, 
increases your risk of prostate cancer. Vitamin E increases. It's not the vitamin E, which is a natural antioxidant increasing your risk. But in the synthetic form that we are taking, one form, because it's a combination of two optical uh, isomers of vitamin E, one gives you the biological activity and the other competes with it. And that's my uh, thought about it, how vitamin E could do it. So it's always better to get a natural form of these nutrients and micronutrients from uh, plants and other sources rather than getting a synthetic versions of vitamins. Now coming back to time and coming back to the free radical production that since plants have evolved for millions of years, they know about all the free radical production, they synthesize a lot of antioxidants to quench the free radicals. That is during the photosynthesis process. When we eat them, when we break bond, we have the same issue that the broken bonds are highly unstable. They would react with water. There would be an oxidative stress on the body and uh, generating that reactive oxygen species, generating free radicals. Free radicals would lead to inflammation and inflammation in order to cause close to around like 90 plus diseases. Today's podcast is brought to you by Retirement Income Solutions, a locally owned and independent financial advisory firm. With professional, thoughtful, and knowledgeable service, RIS provides the kind of compassionate and caring personal service that you want and deserve. Visit risadvisory.com for more information. Now, back to Swarup and Adam. So, what should we be doing? So basically, the flow of sun's energy to the foods and to us, when we extract it, it would generate free radicals, it would generate inflammation. So how do we counteract that? Our bodies are normally known, not known to produce a lot of antioxidants, like vitamin C, we don't produce vitamin E, we don't. Plants produce a lot of antioxidants, we don't. We do produce glutathione in the liver. But for the production of glutathione, we also need vitamin C, which comes through food. So we are indirectly or directly dependent on our food source for our antioxidant needs. So if we were to eat just food for calories, then as I just explained, we would have free radicals and inflammation leading to disease. So how should we be eating? I would say 40% of our food should be for our calorific needs. And the rest, 60% of that food should come in form of dry, uh, sorry, uh, raw foods like greens, veggies, fruits, and so on. So at least like five to six servings of those fruits, vegetables, and raw. And they provide all the antioxidants that we need during the process when our bodies are extracting energy from our food. Food has no longer remained the food it should be because, as I said, right, for our free radical quenching needs, we need antioxidants, and antioxidants predominantly, uh, raw foods provide much better. They also, otherwise, when we cook foods, the, most of the heat labile nutrients are lost, and raw foods would provide those. If you take vitamin pills and other things, they come in too concentrated form, which our bodies have not evolved to really absorb them very well. As you get it from 
like uh, fruits and vegetable at the forms and dilutions that are ideal for their absorption. What has changed in food is we predominantly are eating processed foods. And when a company makes a food, it is making for shelf life. It is not making for a nutrition. It's not thinking that let's provide the best nutritious food to our consumers. There are various different chemicals that are added to this food to preserve them better so that they have an increased shelf life. Now, for example, and we'll come back to, uh, I'm not being very hypocritical of, uh, uh, hypocritical of uh, Oreo cookies, but let's take an Oreo cookies with a strawberry filling. Imagine if you were to put a fresh strawberries and fresh cream, this cookie would not last more than three, four days. It would, be, uh, it would spoil. So then what do you, how do you make those Oreo cookies last long with chocolate flavor or strawberry flavor? Is that you create a synthetic chocolate and cream. So the cream is made from hydrogenated fats and it's not really a cream cream. And then the flavors that are added uh, to fool our uh, system is the artificial chocolate, uh, artificial uh, strawberry flavor with the red color added to it. Now, we have developed so much in food science that there are hundreds of different colors, thousands of flavoring agents that could go majority of times when we say natural flavor. Uh, it is, again, uh, of uh, mimic uh, my, uh, of a natural flavor agent, which is present in, for example, strawberries that is added to our food to preserve uh, it longer. So the food that last 40 years we have eaten and eaten in large amounts because it was cheaper is this processed food with its artificial colors, artificial flavors, and variety of different preservatives and synthetic preservatives which have deleterious effects. Now, the way to look at this was that uh, the alternate view of this is that we human beings, we have, and according to some studies, 10 times more bacteria than our own cells. And it, when this was discovered, it was, I think it came from Michigan State University Human Biome Project. And uh, I, I remember the incident that happened at that time. I was sitting with my colleague in radiation oncology lunchtime. And I said, did you read this today that uh, we have more bacteria in our body than our own cells? So we are so scared and they are all within us. And my colleague said a very interesting thing and that I still remember today. He says, their number is higher than ours. So it is not that they are within us, we are within them. And that was a different perspective to look at how synchronous behaviors, right? Like how we have synchronously developed, evolved with Bacteria within us, there are fungus within us, worms within us, our own cells. And for millions of years or thousands of years, we have actually co-evolved with each other to be the human form that we are. Mm. So with synthetic preservatives, what we are doing is we are changing this balance within our gut biome. Because if they are inhibiting growth of bacteria in the food, they are also impacting our gut biome in ways that we still don't understand this. So my suggestion here would be that 
we eat 40% for calorie dense food, uh, calorie dense food, uh, cooked food, 60% raw. But among those 40%, avoid shelf life stable foods, which a company prepares. Prepare it in your own home, whatever food you want to try in that calorie dense category, and then eat uh, the 60% of it in form of vegetables, fruits, and uh, uh, various different uh, natural roots like carrots uh, uh, and then different uh, greens and so on. Mm -hmm. I would like to end with these two statements from uh, the famous philosopher. One is is in the back uh, from Ludwig Feuerbach, which says that we are what we eat. And uh, uh, our father of modern medicine, Hippocrates, he said, let food be thy medicine and thy medicine your food. I think that sums it up pretty well. So uh, you've done a really great job of tackling those three questions that we talked about. Uh, Why we eat, how we eat, and what we eat. Now, at your restaurant, this seems to be an embodiment of all of those different philosophies and all those answers that we just kind of addressed. Um, is there a certain philosophy that you find or that you follow with, with Hutke? Hutke's philosophy is to uh, satisfy two important needs of uh, food processors. One is the need and second is the desire. So the during our initial trials, we learned that no matter how healthy you make the food, bitter foods don't go, bland foods don't run. It's very difficult to really sell those kind of foods. So what we have done is we have created uh, uh, various different new sauces with this philosophy in mind that there would be no artificial color, flavor, preservatives, white flowers, sugars in any of our uh, sauces and foods. And to decrease the salt, what we have done is we have increased the herbs and the spices that go into these foods, different kinds of roots that we use to... So you would see that that if you increase increase the amount of, let's say, cumin in your food, which increases bitterness and a little bit of saltiness, then the amount of salt that you need would dramatically decrease when you added cumin because the cumin gives you that kind of uh, pungency uh, in the food that you don't really miss your salt. But if your food were to be bland, then you'll use a good, number, good amount of salt in this. I'll personally vouch for Swarup's food. Uh, every time I go there, my wife and I always comment on how uh, when we're eating it, we always feel so good. And we kind of miss out on being able to eat in a restaurant because Swarup is the type of owner that would definitely come to your table to share even more joy with you other than, than the, this uh, delicious food. Um, so I'll definitely vouch that he does a great job of balancing that flavor and really giving you that uh, dopamine spike. But then he's been hiding all this nutrition in his food on us. So that's why we're feeling so good for so much longer afterwards. Actually, majority of my customers, they talk about it. It's not that how good I feel when I eat, but how good I feel after I eat. And that that is, I tell them that was the whole idea behind creating foods like this. And currently, uh, I don't know whether I gave you a sample, but we are working on a Nutella, uh, like chocolate spread. Mm-hmm. And this has, if you look at the ingredients in Nutella, it has 
50% sugar, 25% of it is fat. So 75% of that bottle is processed sugar and processed fat. And rest 25% is uh, the milk powder, the hazelnut, and uh, cocoa powder with some soy lecithin. And so I've uh, created one with there is no added sugar, no added fat. So this is a 100% real food. Uh, chocolate spread is what I've created and um, we're working towards marketing this. I'm going to figure out every one of my favorite sweets and then I'm going to have you make the Swarup <laughs> version of it then so it's all real food. So I've got plenty of ideas. Uh, we'll just keep at it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this production of the Ann Arbor Summer Festival. We would like to thank our team, including our interns, associate producer Stephanie Hicks and sound engineer Justin Levine, our marketing and communications manager Natalie Robbins. Our theme music was composed and recorded by Nadim Azam and mixed and mastered by Elliot Saba. Me, I'm programming and operations manager James Carter. If you like what you heard, subscribe, rate us, and share the joy with someone you love.